So being that this is last minute and it's Thanksgiving next week, I looked for an old message that I could dig up and rehash and kind of frame and the idea of thankfulness and thanksgiving. And this message was actually from not long after you were born, Alicia. And the title of the message today is Be Thankful in Every Season. And Yep. Jimmy and Gabby talking to nobody. Uh, but the verse that was on my heart was 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And it says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, that in everything we would give thanks, in everything. In every season we would give thanks. And in this season where I keep thinking it's winter, but it's still the fall. Winter came three months early. We've had snow and ice and sub-zero temperatures uh, well before even Thanksgiving. Uh, we just saw Buffalo got all that snow in New York. Uh, but Google defines, uh, well, let me get, let me just pray quick because I'm sitting down and it's a little different. But uh, God, thank you for this time together. Thank you, God, that you are always faithful, God, that in every season you never change. God, we change uh, and uh we do all sorts of things that, uh, that God make us unfaithful and God, we try to be faithful, God, but, and, uh, you never leave us or forsake us, God, but you are always faithful and you never change and you always hang on and you always are willing to help us and, uh, to provide for us in every season. And God, you always love us, uh, uh all just the same. So we thank you for that. We want to hold on to you for that in every season and any season that we're in, in life. And we ask in Jesus name. Amen. But the definition of a season, there's many. Uh, it's a time of the year when there's a particular fruit, vegetable, or other food is plentiful. And I remember all the time growing up, Nana would say, oh, strawberries aren't in season. I didn't get them at the store. Oh, oranges aren't in season. So she wouldn't have them. Um, and then when they were in season, they were always the best. You could tell when the season was ending because the quality would go down. Uh, but it's also a proper or suitable time. Sometimes there's a right thing for things, and sometimes there's uh, not. Uh, a season is also uh, an indefinite or unspecified period of time. Sometimes in life we go through seasons, and it's not three months. It might be a season of years when we go through things. If you remember, Joseph in uh, Egypt went through seasons, and they were they didn't go through seasons. They went through that famine, and it was seven years of famine. So that's a pretty long season to go through. It wasn't just one growing season. It was seven. Seven years of not getting rain and not being able to plant, not being able to harvest and eating old food. But God prepared Joseph and Egypt and the world for that. Uh, but it's also a setter sequence. Think of a, uh, a television season with different shows all, all packed in and we've been watching that show and season the last season was very different than the other seasons that were in it and things different things happen in different seasons you're able to tell where an episode is based on how that season goes it's a it's usually a longer story arc filled with little smaller stories in it uh, but also seasoning when we had the Chinese food we had all those different sauces that are still on the table to add different seasoning and flavors to it uh, and even wood you season wood um, by removing the moisture content, uh, 
so that it's ready. When we did the countertops, we had to leave them in the house for a few days to make sure that they were acclimated to the house. Um, but growing up, my favorite season was winter. Probably not anymore. I do still enjoy it, but growing up, I was, I was telling Mia yesterday because she was sitting around. I was like, why isn't she cold wearing shorts and a t-shirt? But I remember being her age and Jake's age and running around outside and skating and playing hockey in a t-shirt on a lake and not being cold. And now I'm just cold just standing here. Uh, I do have shorts on and that's my fault. But, um, but even then, too much seasoning can ruin a food. And just enough brings the flavor out. The seasoning can make you bitter, savory, or sweet. And as we go through different seasons in life, depending on how we react to them, they, they can make us bitter. A lot of people grow bitter in the north to the winter, and they move to the south. They become snowbirds. They go to Arizona. They go to Florida to get away from the bitter cold. But Matthew 5.13, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men, that we shouldn't lose our seasoning. But God, when he made seasons in the Bible in Genesis 1, he says in 14 through 19, God says, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them over in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning of the first day that God put the stars in the sky to dictate seasons. Not that these stars would dictate our lives, like some might believe, based on their position that their life changes, but that it would tell us what season it is. You know, navigators in the ocean uh, would look up and be able to use the stars to tell exactly where they were out in the middle of the ocean. That's why God puts them there so that we can know what time of the year it is. Is it time to get ready for harvest? Is it time to get ready for spring? Is it almost morning? Is it almost night? And I think also in the seasons of life that God will put little stars shining and glimmering. He'll put verses. He'll put people. He'll put uh, symbols who put things in our life and our path that say this is probably what the season of your life is right now I think a lot of times we get discouraged or we get too excited or we run ahead or whatever we do is because we're trying to do something in the wrong season we're out there running in jogging shoes but we really need ice climbing equipment or we're out there in the summer and we've got our winter parka on we're sweating and we're wondering why well maybe it's because we're doing the wrong thing in the wrong season, like Jesus said to the disciples, hey, throw your net on the other side of the boat. And that's when they began to catch everything. Uh, but this word season means appointed place, appointed time, uh, a sacred season, a sign or a signal, and a tent of meeting. That in all of that, that God wants us to, to meet him in this season. That he wants to meet us there. That there's a season for meeting God, and it's always to meet him. But he always puts these things in our life that we would draw closer to him you know i got to pray with a friend the other day and i pray that this oh, god would use this to draw them closer to him that they would know more of god in it that god doesn't always get us out of hard things doesn't always heal us doesn't always answer our prayer the way we want to that we might draw closer to him and have the real need of our life answered and that's knowing him you know god would want what walk with adam and eve in the garden at a certain time of day that 
the point of that evening time was what? That they would meet with him. After the day, the warmth of the day was, was settling down, that they would relax and spend time with him. And our, our calendar every year, I think, it gets filled with more and more seasons, more and more holidays. Lesser, like yesterday was National Men's Day or something, some other kind of pointless day that no one celebrates, no one cares about, but it's on the calendar. But Thanksgiving shouldn't be that way. Thanksgiving is not just another holiday where we eat or watch football or go shopping, but I believe Thanksgiving is intrinsically a modern Christian holiday. Just as the Jews had their feasts, right? I think Christians, we should have our feasts as well. And Thanksgiving is a very important one for us as believers. And that's probably why they want to get rid of it, probably why it's been dumbed down. But if you remember, the pilgrims left Europe because of uh, religious persecution. They were not able to worship God freely. The government was trying to dictate how and what and why and when they could worship and taking away their freedoms. And so they got on boats and they sailed across the ocean to a place they had never been. We take it for granted with our modern travel, but it'd be almost like you and I getting in a spaceship and say, we're going to Mars so we can worship God. We don't know what it's like there. We've never been there. No one's going to come help us if we get there. And we've got to traverse this huge expanse of scariness and death to get there. And they did. And when they got there, God provided through those Native American tribes that were friendly with them. And they got to share the gospel with them. And God used it both ways. Then they were thankful that Christmas, that Thanksgiving, that they would survive. They had no idea how to grow in the new land. They had no idea what the winter was going to be like. And many people did die during those winters. But they were thankful that year that they had made it and that they were free. And most of all, that they were free to worship. And I like Thanksgiving because it's, it's sort of the kickoff for Christmas, right? We get to hang out, get a little bit of time off, we get to eat. And most of all, we get to decorate for Christmas. I love using Thanksgiving weekend to get a tree and put the lights up and begin to look forward to what we're ultimately thankful for, and that's Jesus. And God wants us to track the time in our lives. Just like we use the stars, that God wants us to track the time. And he says in Psalm 90:12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. When we pay attention to seasons, when we have these traditions that help us mark seasons, it's very helpful to mark times in our lives. And when we get out of those habits, we tend to lose our place. So what day is it? What month is it? What year is it? We get lost in life without these mile markers along the way. It's helpful to have those birthday celebrations. It's helpful to have those holidays and those things that we do the same every year to ground us, to keep us, to get us on the same track and really help keep us happy, help keep us healthy. When we have those mile markers, it helps you go. I know when driving on a long trip, it's nice to break it up and say, oh, well, it's this far to this mile marker or this landmark or this place. And it helps keep my sanity in a long road trip. And I'm thinking, oh, I have 14 hours to go. I think, oh, I've got two hours until this landmark or four hours until this. Or this is the place we do that. I think we need to do the same thing in life, that we need to let seasons come and go in our life and look forward to what that season is. As we go into winter, not be so focused on summer right now, but enjoy Thanksgiving, enjoy the snow, enjoy it for what it is. And, uh, you know, as we spend so much time outside working and working on the house and working on the property and enjoying the outdoors, that now as winter comes, we're going to be doing a lot less of that. And we get to enjoy the season. And let's not miss the season now and enjoy the season now of 
spending time indoors and with each other and slowing down a little bit and more one-on-one -on -one time than being so busy. And it's wise to take account of our lives in the same sense. In Psalm 90.10, the days of our lives are 70 years, and by reason of strength they are 80, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it's soon cut off and we fly away. And you remember that. And man, this house, whatever, this property, whatever, school, work, whatever, yeah, we need to take care of it, we need to be diligent in them. But the real thing is each other, that we need to focus on each other and enjoy time with each other. And I've really enjoyed playing video games with you guys and hanging out and just relaxing. 2 Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. That we need to always teach God's word and spread it with each other in different ways, in different seasons, even if we don't feel like it. Even if sometimes we don't think we should, there's still an opportunity to do it. Why? Because the season of this world is ending. And it might be the last season of that person you're sharing to. And you shouldn't skip out on it and be able to share for them for that. When James 1.23 says, If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror and goes away and forgets what he looks like. Uh, I ad lived that last part because it's not in the notes for some reason. But our conscience, when it's pricked by God's word, should not be ignored. When God says, hey, you need to take a time out, or hey, you need to get back in the game, whatever that season is that he's trying to get your attention for, we need to do it. I remember playing with my friend Pastor Tony and Pastor Vinny and other guys when we played Axis and Allies. It was a long game. Our wives were happily doing something else in the other room. And we would have food and everything. But we would take these timeouts between the, the game would build and build and build after hours and hours. And we would take a timeout to go discuss strategy before we made a turn with our teammates. And we'd have a five minutes to go talk quietly uh, in private and talk about what we were going to do because it was so important. And that's important too in our seasons when we notice things going on in our lives to take a timeout and say, hey, is this working? Is this not working? Uh, are we spending too much money? Are we not spending enough money? You know, spring cleaning. When spring comes around, you've been cooped up all winter. Time to clean. Well, I would say, let's do winter cleaning. I don't want to be in a cooped up house that's all dusty. But use these seasons and know that there's changes in seasons to get ready for the next one. That just because we're in a season doesn't mean that on the top of our mind we don't know that there's another one coming. And we should be prepared for it, especially winter. We spent the last few weeks of summer preparing for winter. We knew it was going to get cold. We knew it was coming. And thankfully this year we got a good head start on it because if we didn't, we would have been woefully underprepared with the tree, with the wind, with the snow, with the animals, with things on the property. Winter came so early. Winter came in the middle of fall. If we hadn't gotten done in the beginning of fall, we would have been buried and things would have been stuck until the spring. Been a lot harder to do. That's the same thing in our life. We need to do, do the right thing in the right season. That way we're not out there trying to mow the lawn in the middle of the winter, so to speak. But with that, we need to pay attention to those seasons. We need to make sure that the seasons are being fruitful and profitable, that when we go through a spring, a summer, a harvest spiritually, that we're making sure that we're not uh, lying to ourselves and deceiving ourselves that it's really been a good season when it's been a bad season, that we might be prepared to actually course correct our lives in those things. Because God wants us to have a return on our investment, that when we go through life, these seasons are not just for play, that they're for work as well. That while it's day, the workers work. Because night is coming soon, Jesus said, when no one will be able to work.
And I think that part of that, part of that reward that God wants us for comes through being thankful. Because when we're thankful, we don't take things for granted. When we're thankful for the little things, when we're thankful for what we have now, we're thankful for being in a season that we're in in life, we don't miss out. We get to enjoy things that we have. When we're thankful, we enjoy it. Even if someone else will look on and say, well, that's a piece of junk. If you're thankful for that piece of junk, you enjoy it. Oh, I'm thankful for this piece of junk. It gets me to work. I'm thankful for my job even right now. Even if it's not happy, I'm thankful for what's going on in my life, even though it's hard because I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. I still have my family. Whatever those things are that you can cling to and be thankful for, you will enjoy them, enjoy them more, and you'll be richer and fuller for it than the person who has all the things they want and yet are not thankful for it. Unfortunately, Black Friday used to be a good day to go out and get Christmas gifts, but now it's really more, what can I get in my life at a good deal? How can I get a new dishwasher at a good price or a new TV that I've been wanting? It's really shifted there. But I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for the time off. But also, if we're not thankful, we always want to look ahead or look behind. If we're not thankful in the season we're in, you know, just going to use winter again, we're always going to be looking forward to summer. And we're going to miss out on the fun we could have had in the winter. Maybe we could have gone skiing as an example. But we were so looking forward to the summer that we didn't take advantage of the opportunities before us to go to the mountain or go do this or that. And the same happens if we're looking back at a past season. And we're looking back behind us. And we're so uh, concerned about Christmas 1982 that we've missed out on every Christmas since then. We're so bitter about things in our past that we don't get to enjoy and be thankful about the things in our present. And sometimes God allows us to be in hard places now because he doesn't want us to be in a worse place later. He doesn't want us to slip. If you look at Moses, the prophets, and David, uh, it seems if not all the people of God used in the Bible for our examples went through drastic seasons. Even the Lord himself, his family called him crazy. But then he went to the cross and his family came to know him. And James said, so many things. The life of Joseph. He was a favored son. Then he was in a pit and he was in jail. But God used those hard seasons to prepare him, to season him for that season to save Israel. I mean, save Israel and save Egypt and save the world from the famine. That season of famine. That there's a lot of hard seasons. There's good seasons. There's bad seasons. There's worse seasons. But Joseph didn't end up being bitter. He didn't get hardened by it. And he ended up being right where God wanted to be. You think if he was hard and bitter, he ever would have made it out of jail? You think if he was hard and bitter, Pharaoh ever would have listened to him? He ever would have heard God? No. And Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about it to this day to save many people alive. Know that a tough season is probably God's way of preparing about bringing good things in your life if you would but let him. You know, they talk about forest fires all the time. Forest fires are ravaging and can damage and kill and ruin neighborhoods and take away people's lives and, and homes. But a forest fire, at least to the forest, is an opportunity to burn out all that undergrowth to allow new trees to come in, new growth to come in. Um, and there's all sorts of benefits that, you know, I'm sure someone more versed in that could share. 
And God says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So when we're in that season, if we think of that verse, we should realize that God knows best. That for whatever reason, God has me in this season. So who am I to judge? Why am I in this season? Why can't it always be summer in my life? Why is it not summer right now in my life? Well, let's use that to seek God. Instead of becoming bitter, let it drive you to God to make you better. And kids think they know better. Even my kids sometimes think they know better. And sometimes they do know better. But experienced parents, myself, my wife, going through so many seasons in life, can say, child, this is what this season is like. You're going through this season in life, and I've been there, and you have to go through it. You have to sit down. You have to do your schoolwork. You have to finish your macaroni and cheese. You know, you need to go through these seasons that you would grow up and be healthy and smart and prepared. And if we don't force our kids to go through the seasons that we went through, we're doing them a disservice because they're not going to be prepared to have the things, uh, to, to have that wisdom in life that they need or that experience. Daniel 2, 20-22 says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. And He changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. And we look at our latest political season in America, things have changed, but not as much as we wanted. I'm, I'm sure there's lots of cheating going on. That's nothing new. But God allows certain people to take office, rightfully or wrongfully, for a reason. And we're going through a hard season in America, and it's probably going to get harder and the things that are being done today, we won't feel the full ramifications for five or ten years. So you think it's bad now, wait until the effects of it ten years from now. Ten years of people not working. Ten years of people not being in the supply chain. Ten years of inflation. It's going to get worse. But God knows. And God's able to change those seasons. If we repent as a nation and pray and vote and do and live righteously, God can spare us. But man... If you look at even if the voting is even close to being accurate and you see the things that people want, there's no hope for us as a nation. There's hope for us individually. There's hope for the church, but not for the nation. And that's a tough season to think about. My children growing up into a country that is not the same one that I grew up in only a few short years ago. And it's grievous, but I, I hope that they cling to God through it. But there's seasons for nations, seasons for rulership. We talk of decades and cultural seasons, seasons. But everything comes back into fashion eventually, right? You know, I, I see things that people wear. I'm like, well, that was popular in the 90s, and we stopped wearing it for a reason. Uh, but it's back. But I think, I think the rhema for us in this one, the important word for us in this one is the word spoken to Esther thousands of years ago in Esther 4.14 says, for if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. Like Esther, like, look, if you don't do it, God will find somebody else. But you and your father's house will perish. You know, that there's an, an end to that. But he says to the, it says to her, I believe it was Mordecai, he says, yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Now, you know that God has put us on this earth during this time in history, during this time in our country, He's put us in Helena. He's put us in Montana. 
during this winter for a reason. We may not think it's a world-changing reason, but we need to stop looking for the high and mighty. We need to stop expecting to be rich and famous. We need to be content with the little things and know that God has a purpose for us even here. That God has a purpose even when you go to the dentist. God has a purpose even when you go to the supermarket. That living that quiet life is an example to other people. We know people right now are going through very hard things for one reason or another. And, I, and seeing that and hearing about that breaks my heart and I grieve for them. But I also am thankful, like, thank you, Lord, that our quiet life is such a testament of you in our lives. That the reason why I have a quiet life and a safe life and a quiet home and healthy kids and a, a good marriage is as boring as it might look to someone else. It's safe. People want a safe space. That's a safe space. God bless you. So thank you, God, for that. But God has put us in a place for a reason. And if we're thankful in that season, that reason will become more apparent. But if we're always looking to the past, God bless you, we're always looking to the future, we're going to miss out on that reason. And we wonder, why, God, am I here? Well, maybe if we start being more thankful and more grateful for the things and the people and the circumstances we're in, we might find that reason. And be quiet, it'll be still. Ecclesiastes 7.10 says, Do not say... Why are the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning them. It's so easy to look back and say, man, yesterday was so much better than today. I mean, yesterday, Saturday, I didn't have to do anything. Today, all I can think about is I have to get up and go to work tomorrow. Yesterday, Saturday is better than Sunday. Right? Or sometimes we think about last year or when we lived in a certain place and how it was better. And maybe as you consider it, it is better. And you say, God, okay, is there a way for me to go back to that place? Is that where you have me be? But also, at that time, we do need to pray to him if he says no, or doesn't make a way to go back, that we should be content with where we're at. Because the look back with rose-colored glasses is not always healthy, because it wasn't always better. You left that relationship, you left that job, you moved on, you grew up, you look back at those old pictures, and the person you were during that season, you go, that person's a dork. I wouldn't even want to be friends with the old me. From 10 years ago so why would I go want to go back to that season I'm not that person anymore I don't act that way I don't think that way so why would I want to be in those seasons and those situations again so again be thankful for what you have now and be thankful that there's a future coming be thankful that the past is gone and the future is coming and again they all might look good but again they're all over for a reason and sometimes a good reason and even if it's for a bad reason, a mistake, a sin, a failure, a death. God allows all those things in our life and God can use them all for good. God can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. My mom used to always tell me that. But understand that the good season um, might be over. You, you may never have that time with that loved one. You may never have that happy season again in your life. But don't let that foul your current season. Let it be fertilizer for the next season in life that you might grow healthier grow stronger and like corinthians says that when we go through those things that we minister to others the things that god ministered to us ecclesiastes says remove sorrow from your heart in verse in chapter 11 and put away evil from your flesh for childhood and youth are vanity and our culture is caught up in childhood 
I play video games lately with my kids. But I know that it ultimately it's a waste of time if I'm not doing it with my kids. Right? Even that could be a waste of time. I played Zelda for hours yesterday. I was like, how long was I playing for? It was three hours. My life just... But it was fun. It was a Saturday where I never do anything. Not a big deal. But if I'm doing that every day of the week, if I'm doing that by myself all the time, well, as an adult, I should be doing other things. If I was doing that in the fall, I wouldn't have been ready for winter. If I was doing that, the cars wouldn't be fixed. I wouldn't be at work. We wouldn't have money. You know, all these things. I wouldn't... All this growth can happen in my life if I was still doing childhood things. And I look back at my 20s, and man, I wish someone had just pushed me to be more of an adult in my 20s. And I think even then in my teens, I wish someone was there to push me to do adult things. But we have this elongated childhood in our culture, and we're bearing the fruit of it. Nobody wants to work. Nobody can afford anything. We've all spent our lives pursuing becoming NBA stars or twirling the baton in the in the band and our parents pushed us to do these things that are really worthless and a waste of time. Yeah, sports are fun. Sports are good. But there's only a handful of people that are going to be NBA players. What happened to the rest of them? They spent their whole childhood and youth pursuing this dream of being a basketball star, but they neglected their studies or they didn't start a business or they didn't go out and become a missionary and they wasted that time. And God can return that around. But I don't want that for my kids. I want my kids to be prepared and have fun and play and do childhood things, but also learn how to be responsible. Also start seeking out what God has for them. Also begin to apply what they enjoy and, and do business and sell and buy and be prepared in high school to maybe even start a business. That way in their 20s, they're up and going. And, but more than that, I want them to follow God. I want them to learn now that they don't need to wait until tomorrow to serve God, that they can serve Him today, even in coloring a page. They can serve Him today, even in just doing their homework. They can serve Him today on the playground with their friends. We don't need to wait for tomorrow. That's procrastination. It's always tomorrow. It'll happen tomorrow. It'll come tomorrow. No. Do what's before you today. And, you know, looking back is what turned Lot's wife into a pillar of salt. That she became so overseasoned and bitter, so to speak, that she died. That if we look back and hold back onto the past and old pain and old things that God has removed us from, it'll kill us. I remember when I got saved, God took me out of, he had to take me out of the place that I grew up to get my attention, to get me to come to him. I don't know if I would have come to him living where I was living and around where I was around and distracted what I was distracted by and pining for those old friendships, those old relationships that went by. I never would have made the new friendships and new relationships. I would have been stuck in that death, but God pulled me out of it. And not to say that reminiscing is bad or what's it called? Um, nostalgia. When you look back and oh, I look back at the 80s, how wonderful the 80s were. And I watched some of the 80s commercials. I'm like, yeah, these weren't perfect. But they were certainly better than they were in now, I think. But at the same time, they're not because. We made all those mistakes that got us to today and we were further from the Lord's return then. But man, rem remembering is good. We shouldn't forget because if, if we forget things, if we forget the past, we are doomed to repeat it. So we should look back. We should enjoy the old times. We look at old pictures on the TV or in albums and it's good. It should cause us to cherish what we have more. We look at our children, how quickly they grow up. It should cause us to spend more time with them and enjoy more time with them. 
and be kinder and gentler to them. Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now I see in a mirror uh, dimly, then I will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as also I am known. That Jesus said, forgive them, Father, they don't know what they do. And Lord, we don't know what we do sometimes. We know what we do, but we don't know the depth of what we do. And we don't know the depth of what's coming either. And so we need to put away the past good or bad, and be ready for what's coming for the future, like our study in Revelation. But what about the hard times? What about the dry times? What about Venezuela, where there's famine, government-induced problems? In Europe, they're already starting to ration energy, and people are potentially going to die this winter in Europe for lack of energy. They could have done something about it. They could have prepared, but instead they've been so caught up in their own bad politics and Bad scientific beliefs. Can we remain thankful when the heat goes off in the winter? I don't know. That's a tough one to think about. Will we? Can we remain happy and joyous? We may not be happy. Happy is based on circumstance, but can we ha- find joy when we go to the supermarket and we can't afford the potatoes anymore? We got to buy box potatoes for Thanksgiving instead of. Regular potatoes and mashed potatoes because milk is so expensive or when we can't afford all the luxuries anymore. We have to sell things and get rid of things or downsize. Not because we haven't worked just as hard. Not because we haven't done everything we have to do, but because someone, some wicked person in power said, you can't have this anymore. Some wicked person in power said, I'm going to make this wicked law to make myself happy no matter what it costs the people under me. When we get robbed by government and friends and, and economies, will we be able to find joy? Job 2.10, this is a great verse. It says, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. That man, we are so ready to, God, thank you when I win the lottery. And we're not as much ready to say, God, thank you that I lost my job. Thank you that I have to file bankruptcy now. Maybe God is allowing those things to happen, that you would be free from earthly possessions and earthly responsibility, that you might go off and become a missionary. I don't know. That's so radical. That can't be the case. I would never... Slow down. Think about it in heavenly terms. Think about it in eternity terms and how short life on earth is. Does that job truly matter for eternity? Not that you should just up and quit or be a bad employee or anything like that. But if God chooses to remove the so-called good thing from your life and it was out of your control, it's not because you did something wrong necessarily. Maybe it's because you're a Christian and you're outspoken. Know that God has something even better for you. It may not pay as much, but it'll be better for you. God says in Psalm 16, David says, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart instructs me in the night seasons. That when we meditate on God's word and it's in us, when we go through those dark times, God will guide us through it. It's dark, but we've got those verses in the night sky just Give us light and say, this is the way. Walk in it. 
And when it is dark, we do need to turn on the light. And my kids love flashlights. Some of mine are so bright, I can't let them play with them because they would blind each other and point them into outer space and knock satellites out of orbit with them. And we have night lights. I had to put, it's, it's so bad, I intend to, to make it look nicer, but I've very hillbilly-esque put duct tape over the lid of a, a nightlight in the bathroom because I'm so hypersensitive to light that I just want just a little bit of light so I can see to get out of bed and get to the bathroom at night, but not so much light that it keeps me up or it hurts my eyes. And we need that in life. We need that light. We shouldn't go around stumbling. We need God's word to direct us. And we need to remember what God told us when it was light. When we were spending time with God, when things were happy, when things were good, a lot of times he'll prepare us for those night seasons that are coming. And we need to remember those verses that he gives us ahead of time. And there's so many times in my life that that has happened. And there's certain seasons in life when we're going to cling to certain verses and certain verses will minister to us that won't minister to us at all. That might even feel like a burden in other seasons in life. Just like a winter coat in summer. In the winter, a winter coat is all you want. But in summer, you want to go outside in flip-flops and a t-shirt. And vice versa. The verses, the t-shirts that minister to you in the summer are not going to minister to you even if you put 35 of them on in 5 degree weather because your arms are exposed. Same thing with the Bible. It's good for any season. Any verse would be good. I don't want you to take that too literally. But the things that God ministered to us, he'll give us different things to minister to us in different seasons. And sometimes that's all you have is that verse that God gave you years ago. Sometimes all you have is that peace of God in your heart that he gives you when the waves are crashing all around. Perhaps none of your friends like Job are giving you good counsel. Perhaps you don't have any friends left. Perhaps there's no one you can even turn to. Even your closest friend and advisor, like David says, flees from him. But he knows that God will never leave him or forsake him. And that every season he has, God. Just like that. Don't turn to the left or the right. Listen to the still small voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. And we need that light of Scripture to cut through the darkness. In every season. Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a time and a season for everything. Being single, being married, having kids, having different groups of friends. You know, I said to Mia the other day, I said, I had a lot of friends growing up. And I loved hanging out with them. And some of them were good friends and some of them were bad friends. Sometimes I was a good friend, sometimes I was a bad friend. But you know what? I don't have any of those friendships this, today. For whatever reason, one reason or another. And of course I would love to have some of those friends back. Right? I would you know, love to reconnect and, if possible, you know, have those lifelong friendships. Those things are good. And I've got Pastor Vinny. He's become my adult lifelong friend. And Mario and James, these guys I've known. And Joey and Nathaniel, these guys I've known for so many years, right? And I love that. And I want to cultivate that and hang on to that. But the people I spent the most of my life with as a kid, I may never see again. And I say that because... I wish I had more of a relationship with my parents. I wish I was able to have had more time with my parents growing up. That they might have been a better influence on me. I might have been more grounded, done more homework, been more responsible. Instead of letting my friends dictate what I thought and what I wanted to do. 
And I think about my kids now. I want them to have that with us. I want them to have friends, but I want them also to remember that their friends will, might be long gone when they're adults, but their parents will still be around. And more than that, when their parents aren't around, they'll still have each other. And I want them to have healthy relationships now that they would be able to encourage each other and strengthen each other for their whole lives if they would choose to continue following the Lord. And may they do. And whatever season you're in, God wants you to turn to Him. In 2 Corinthians 6, 2, quoting Isaiah 49, He says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And God wants to answer you now. Whether you're unsaved or you're saved, He wants to answer you right now. Whether it's salvation eternal or salvation temporal. That whatever season you're in, that God allows those seasons, those storms, that we can't navigate, that we aren't meant to navigate. We're not meant to be the navigator of our lives. We don't know how to use the instruments. We don't know how to drive this car of life. But God does. And no matter the season, we should turn to Him. And a lot of times we wait for the bad, and God is patient with us to allow those bad seasons of our life for us to turn to Him. But we need to turn to Him in every season. And Philippians 4, 11-13 says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And man, it takes a lot of strength in Christ to be rich. It takes a lot of strength in Christ to be poor. It takes a lot of strength in Christ to be happy and not be corrupted or sad and not be corrupted. And Paul, if anyone knew what it was like to have nothing, to be shipwrecked, naked, beaten, and just like these seasons around us, you know, if we get in a car, we can escape the season, right? If we packed up a moving truck, we can move to Florida, right? And escape the season. But then summer would come and we would hate being there with the snakes and the spiders and the alligators and the humidity and the heat. You say, oh, I miss Montana summer. But it should guide us to have a heart of wisdom, to look forward and be prepared for the real season, the eternal season of heaven. That this life, whether it's 90 years, 70 years, 80 years, 100 years, it's a short season. It's a blip on the radar of eternity. And with that, Thanksgiving is a couple days that will come and go. Thanksgiving will be here before you know it, and then we'll be off to Christmas, and then New Year's, and then that cold, bleak January and February with not much going on. No offense to uh, Valentine's Day, but it's cold and empty. So this Thanksgiving, this short period of time we have, even this holiday season, Christmas, New Year's, let's be thankful this season. Let's be thankful for each other, for the Lord, for family, for roofs over our heads. Like my kids say, man, I feel bad for the kids who don't have anything, the people who are cold. Let's be thankful with what we have and be willing to give up the extra or sometimes even what we do have to help others. And especially let us... Let this time be a time we spend together and with the Lord. And like Timmy always, always prays, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for us. And every prayer he prays that. Because we'll be most satisfied when we give thanks. It's better to give than to receive. So let's give thanks instead of looking to receive this season. So God, thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for allowing me to share something today. And I pray, God, that you would just minister to my family and our friends and anyone who hears. And God, just would you work and move in the church 
at large, the churches in town, in New York, in Florida, and uh, Virginia, everywhere our family is. And um, God, minister to the people going through hard times this season who have nothing. Minister to them, we pray. And uh, use us, we ask. We ask just for your blessing on us. We thank you for all you are. Thank you for all you've given us. Thank you for life and breath and food and warmth and family and work. And um, heal those we know that are sick, we ask. Uh, thank you that you hear us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. May God bless you and keep you and his face shine upon you. There is a vineyard of the Lord. There is a vineyard for our soul. With all our troubles left behind the door, we drink first life.